Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Horns Up Talking Texas podcast. Joshua Fisher with Alexander DeSopolis, Nikki Snacks, Kreider, and the Quan Cosby. Get your horns up because here we go. Horns up talking Texas podcast basketball is came and went. The Kool-Aid was drunk. We were close, but no cigar. They shot 80,000 free throws. We shot three and we couldn't take down to the giants of Purdue who only went on to lose to St. Peter's. And we could have been in the final four and been all going to NOLA and having great hurricanes and probably missed the game. We got so <laughs> drunk, uh, but needless to say, we're on to baseball season on to the next. And what better guest to have the national champion and former MLB vet drew Stubbs joining the boys. Drew, how you doing, man? Great. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, something we talk about all the time on the show, whether it be football or basketball, it's something with the University of Texas where, at least in the major men's athletic departments, the expectations are sky high, and a lot of times we fail to meet them. Now, Texas baseball is off to a solid start, but when you were there and when Quan was there as well, expectations were still sky high, and you guys met them. How did you and your teammates deal with that, especially in that national championship run? Well, you talk about expectations and, and stuff, and I think those are created from success. And Quan and I's era, we're very lucky to uh, have a lot of success across mm-hmm. the board in Texas sports. You know, in my years, um, you know, Texas wins back-to-back Rose Bowls against Michigan, and then uh, obviously the USC National Championship. Um, basketball was like Final Four, Elite Eight contenders. Um we obviously having this, the run when we did winning in 02 and then uh, the team I was on in 05. And honestly, the best team I played on in 2004, I think anybody you ask will tell you that we were the best team in baseball, but we didn't play very well in the championship series and lost to Cal State Fullerton. Um, swimming, diving, doing their thing, volleyball, doing their thing. Um, you know, it was just an incredible era of University of Texas sports and um, you know, it's, it's not really fair to think that that's going to continue forever for the uh, athletes to come. But, uh, you know, we always have had a high standard of excellence at UT. And I think answering your question about how we handle it, um, you know, every year was a new year. And, and um, one thing that Augie would always tell us was pressure is a choice. He's like, mm-hmm. everybody's going to face uncomfortable situations and how you deal with them is your choice. You know, he's like, you can make it 
as big as you want or as small as you want. And the smaller you can make it and, and you know, treat it more like a day of practice or any other game, um, you know, the more loose you'll be and probably the better you'll perform. Yeah, we we're probably hoping for a great Augie quote. Glad we didn't have to wait too long for that one. <laughs> um, but it's so interesting. I mean, the baseball team last year came almost as close as you can get. And your 04 team was right there, the runner-ups. What was that offseason like for you guys? Did things change or was it kind of status quo? Like, okay, we got to where we needed to get. All we have to do is close the door. Yeah, I mean, I think um, as we reflected back shortly thereafter losing that championship series mm-hmm. in 04, um, you know, we, we knew we were a better team and we got there. We just didn't get the job done. Uh, we didn't play well enough when it counted. So I think the returning players uh, for next year, uh, we were very hungry to get back. We knew what it took, obviously, to get there. And I think we were determined um, that whatever it took, we were going to do it. And, and frankly, like you look at our season, um, you know, Baylor's a great example. Like we, we lose to them. Um, they had our number. We lose to them all three games in the, in the uh, conference series and beat us. We were shorthanded, albeit, but they beat us in the Big 12 tournament. So we're 0-4 and then faced them the first game in Omaha and beat them there. And then we beat them on a walk-off home run from Chance Wheelis to go to the, the championship series. Um, but I think that just is a demonstration of the perseverance that we had. Um, we had a lot of grit. We had a lot of experience. A lot of guys coming back from the year before. Um, you know, even lost guys like Curtis Thigpen and Justin Simmons and Houston Street. Um, but we had a lot of gaps plugged by guys who got a taste of it, but were able to kind of get that opportunity the next year. We, t- we hit on a little bit about the, the rest of the men's programs being really good around your guys' era. Do you believe both of you, Quan and Drew, that right now the men's programs are kind of racing to see who can get their back first? I mean, I, of course, you always want to represent for the university, but do you think there's like some – inner university competition between baseball, basketball, and football? I mean, Quan, I'll let you chime in on this in a second, but I don't know that it's a competition, but it's definitely a, um, a feel around campus that you feed off of. And you're like, man, I'm not going to get one up by the season in front of me. You know, I'm sure that the football guys witnessed us win in 05 and then they, they take it in stride and go and win the next year. And then basketball sees the success and, and, you just, it kind of compounds against each other and, and everybody feeds off of that momentum and that, that, uh, that taste of victory. Would you agree with that, Quan? Oh, hundred percent. And really take it to another level. It's really when you're on campus and Drew started it off talking about swimming, diving, softball, cat was there. I mean, so many levels, you know, Sonia, Richards Ross, it was, and it was a little bit different setting for us because Drew then would go across the street, but for the most part, we did a lot of things in Moncrief. And we didn't pass each other and not pull for the next. And so when we win, lost, indifferent, and then we we supported each other. We went to baseball games. We went to track meets. So it was just a very different era of uh, very, um, again, sure, very athletic and all of that. And no offense to some of the guys now, but it was also a different era of leadership as well. On every team, you just had a bunch of folks who got it, who led, who kept things in line. Um, we were in college, so we had some fun too, but we uh, certainly, it was a different era of guys out there and girls who just got it done on every level. Well, you hope it's competitive yeah, in some sorry sense. Sorry to interrupt. That's, that was a great point though. Um, you know, we, we had a little um, 
training facility over at baseball. But before they did the renovation, I think in 2009, uh, Quan mentioned Moncrief and we would do all of our morning off season uh, training in there and the football um, red shirts would be in there on Friday mornings and you'd see the volleyball team and the swimmers and all this stuff. So it was a kind of a, a central ground for a lot of the Texas athletics. And um, like he said, it was, it was great to kind of um, be in tune with them and, and see the work that they're putting in. And it's just like, okay, well, there's a high, high standard of excellence here. And not that it's all because we blame so many things on social media and all that. Now, now you can throw NIL in there, but with the, the level that we pull for each other hadn't changed, you know, we're really, you know, subs, we were all out at match play last week. We were at RBI Austin, the charity event that, you know, he was at, you know, of course, so many other baseball players, few football, same with Cat Austin. So really it was just interesting. And I think that's something that's being lost on outside of baseball. Cause I drew wouldn't say it, but I'll say this. Everybody else is trying to catch up. Baseball went to Omaha, made in the final four last year. Football has not done that. Football didn't yeah. make it to a bowl game. Basketball lost to Abilene Christian last year and lost in the first round. No, second round. We, we, yeah, made, we, we, made, it. we made it out of the first we, we, round. We did make it out of the first. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not, not, not far, but we made it out of the first. So really, <laughs> baseball has kept their perspective. I mean, even in changing coaches, talk about the great Augie, talk about just the absolute insane ex- excellence that's been the norm and culture over there. But um, the rest of them is a competitive perspective because football talks that crap. You know, it's the you know money generating sport. What we don't talk about is hell baseball only what 11 and a half scholarships. I have a whole nother theory on that, that I feel like it knocks some down and spread those out a little bit better for baseball and other female sports. But uh, especially with the NIL here now, because some mm-hmm. of these cats can pay for their scholarship, but um, really it's, it's just the pride of the Texas Longhorns is, is there, you know, we always have expectations because we want to be great. We, uh, we have little brother tonight, Let's believe in conference or not, we want to kick their butt. And you don't come to this place. And back in our day, it was as real as it get. You didn't make it to here unless you can get it done. And ultimately, we just got to figure out how to get back to getting those mindsets and keeping our Texas boys and girls in home so that we can get back to that culture. Yeah, well, baseball is right there. Like you said, Q, they went to the final four last year, came runners, uh, you know, third place. Uh, we won that the third place game. And what are some of the conversations maybe you've had, Drew, with David Pierce? You know, maybe some similarities you see with, between him and Augie. What about Tulowitzki? Tulo's in the mix. I mean, you guys played together in Colorado, and now he, you know, fortunate that Austin is such a hub for people to go to. He's residing in Austin, then he obviously joins the staff. What are some conversations maybe you had with the coaching staff and similarities you've seen from when you were there? Yeah, well, um, I'll start with Pierce first, and and I think, you know, going back to – the hiring process, there's no secret that he was not the top name or top two or three names on the list. You know, we went down and basically gave a lot of coaches a lot of leverage at their program to make more money. And yeah, right. at the end of the day, we come up with him, and I think it couldn't have been a better fit. You know, we, we were trying to go after a guy in California or Vanderbilt or Florida or Virginia, and those guys are not Texans. They don't understand – the traditions and the and the histories of our program. And David Pierce grew up in Houston and he saw it firsthand his whole life, whether he was at Rice or Sam Houston, um, you know, being around the state and understanding the, the programs and traditions. And I think 
Um, you know, he was hungry to prove himself as a head coach. He had not had a, a, a ton of experience at that. Um, but, but ultimately, I think he's embraced everything that we've had in place here. He's brought in the alumni like, you know, Quan and those guys get to do with football. Um, I think there's a lot of guys, my former teammates and beyond, that still live in Austin in and around town. So it's easy to do that, which is great. Um, so I'm just really happy that, that he's kind of taken the foundation that was there from a historical and traditional standpoint and tried to build on that. Um, with Tulo, it's interesting. So I actually met him and played with him for the first time in 2004. It was uh, the summer uh, after my first year at UT, and we played together on a, on a U.S. national team, collegiate team, um, and I just – could tell right away. I was like, this guy's different. He's going to be a star. Obviously he had a great career. Uh, we got to reunite in Colorado, but uh, he called Houston street and I um, probably in June or July of, I think that was 2019. Um, he was with the Yankees had been on the, on the disabled list. Like he had so many times, unfortunately throughout his career. And he's like, Hey man, I'm, I'm, I'm done playing. He's like, I'm, I'm still going to get paid through next year by Toronto um, but he's like, I, I want to coach in college where I can make a difference with hitters and infielders. Um, he's like, my wife and I have always liked Austin. I think well, I want to buy a house on the lake and move there. Uh, and this was before the mad rush, by the way. Um, and he's like, pro ball doesn't interest me because there's too much moving around. And he's like, I want to be able to, to impact guys both on the field and off the field. And, you know, he's like, I hear there may be a fit at UT. And obviously we had to move around a bunch of parts to, to make that happen. But I look at him and he's always been one of the best, toughest competitors that I ever played with or against. And you can see, you watch those guys on TV at Omaha last year and watch them this year, like win, lose or draw. Those guys are playing hard for each other. They're playing with passion and fire and, and you just enjoy that. I, I think uh, Tulo has, has kind of developed a, a culture that brings back a lot of what I saw in some of the, the hard nosed players that, you know, that I played with and, and played against. Um, and I think you can feel that it's tangible uh, when you watch. Them. It, there's so many guys. I mean, you mentioned Houston, right? There's so many guys on this team that have the opportunity to get drafted and play in the bigs. Um, but, you know, baseball is obviously it's a different sport compared to, to football and basketball, where if guys that are coming out of Texas and basketball get drafted, they're, they're going to the bigs, they're playing, they're getting a contract. Same thing for the NFL guys, right? It's different with baseball because you have to go to the minor league circuit. Maybe, you know, it's very rare for guys to jump straight to the big. So with as good of players as we have, how do you keep these guys present? You think that stems right down from the coaching staff, that that's kind of one of their main jobs is to make sure that the guys are focused on Omaha rather than how much work they've got to do after they, they get away from Austin and UT. I think guys are just better educated on the process now. I mean, Quan could speak to it. He he went through the minor league circuit. I mean, it's there's no money. Both y'all did. It's crazy. It's I mean, it's it is a tough existence. <laughs> there and, is no reason to rush there. <laughs> uh, so, like I said, I think guys are better educated from their coaches and scouts that may be looking at them. Obviously, college coaches are going to chime in and say, "Hey, guys, you sure you want to jump right into this stuff in pro ball?" Um, but I, I can tell you, you know, I was a third round pick out of high school. Thought I was going to sign. Thought I was going to get enough money to, to change the life that I had at the time. Uh, I didn't, and I was fortunate for that to work out. I wanted to go to school. And when I got here, um, obviously, 
in the back of your mind, your, your goal is to obviously get education, but to get that same opportunity, if not a better one, to play professionally. And, um, you know, that aside, I think you, you kind of table that because you get around the culture of the other guys that have been in the program for one, two, three years. And you're like, man, these guys are serious about getting better. These guys are serious about playing as a team. I've got a coach who is, um, you know, it's like, hey, man, like you're going to play for each other. or You're not going to play here. And so it's pretty clear right away where the uh, the priorities are. And I think the pro ball and the opportunity that comes with that is just a byproduct of, of working hard, getting better and playing for one another. Yeah. I mean, it's great that you went from third round pick to top 10 pick, you know, that's obviously a tough, it's a great accomplishment. It's very tough to do. Really cool. I touched on something earlier though. Yeah. And, and Go for it, we've talked about it a bazillion times about other sports. We talked about it, about Sark and football, then basketball season ran around and, and I still feel like, um, you know, a man's got to figure figures out from a basketball standpoint and he's a homegrown body as well. But Drew's never heard us talk about this, but he talked about a fit. And when he talked about coach Pierce and it's funny, the first, I mean, first day I met him, first of all, bias because he brought up, you know, Mark Texas. And I was like, who the hell knows where Mart is? This guy's a country bumpkin, but um, <laughs> he learned from Sam and having to grind and, and really, you know, going to the march or the other places, trying to find a diamond in a rough. And, and that perspective was why he went right into this and, and went working. So it's amazing when you think about all the sports going on right now, um, you think about their coaches, their cultures, kind of to that question of are they competitively trying to get back to where they want to be now? Clearly, Coach Pierce has been here the longest and he's figured it out pretty quick and, and working his butt off. But that that's a common thing that I think the University of Texas people don't get. It's always, oh, let's go get this big name. Let's go get this big name. Um, but this place is a different monster. So I think getting a fit and similarly, Coach Brown wasn't their first choice either. You know, they, they went after one, two, three different dudes before Coach Brown got there. Yeah. Um, Coach Beard was a different beast because he again, he was homegrown. He he got his degree from here. But uh, really, and certainly as a fit. But no, it's. I like to hear that we see it in the way Coach Pierce goes about it. He's bringing back Stubbs, Hughes, all the all the cats, all the the Letterman, and hell, he's bringing back fo football dudes to come to the baseball game. You know, he's just he gets it on such a level like that, and the same with the other sports. So I'm not saying clearly winning has a lot to do with how it felt during our time. That's really at least from every other sports standpoint. That's all we're missing. Because I do feel like a lot of these current coaching staffs and especially the skippers and the heads, um, they get the UT way. So that's it's starting to feel a little bit like home. It's not there yet when we're we're going to Omaha and celebrating some ships or, at, you know, at least getting to that final game. I think that'll be the exclamation point. Yeah, but it's cool to see all these guys doing it very similar again. Definitely. Yeah. You, you brought up, you know, I mean, Sark wasn't the first choice either. Like we how many times have we heard Urban Meyer? And thank God, I mean, do right. <laughs> Dodge the bullet there, boys. Talk, talk about blowing it right there. I mean, forty my... cal bullet, not just a regular one. That, was a, <laughs> that wasn't a nine millimeter, bro. That was some, that was a big bullet. <laughs> yeah, I, Drew. What are some things that you love about this team currently? But are also some, maybe some things that you know, sitting here at nineteen and seven, still a top ten team, to kind of go and chase. I guess like Tennessee or somebody at the top. Like, what are some things you still want to see out of these boys? 
Well, I, I touched on it earlier, but I think the first thing that I see um, is just they get out there and they they compete and they yeah. play for each other. And there's some fire and some passion out there on the field. And uh, I think that's something that we maybe lacked for a little while during a stretch of time. And, and um, you know, they've clearly got that going on. Um, you know, I think it hurt them losing Tanner Witt to an elbow uh, surgery this year. He he may not have been their best pitcher, but he might have arguably had the most upside when it comes to his stuff and what he can bring to the table on any given day. But by the same token, I look back at our 05 team, and on paper, Sam LeCure was going to be our Friday night number one starter, and he's academically ineligible, uh, goes on to pitch in the big leagues. But, but you know, we had guys like Kyle McCulloch and Adrian Alaniz and Randy Boone Ken Kasparic could step forward and take on a bigger role and um, we end up winning. So this is going to give somebody else an opportunity to step into that Sunday starter spot and, um, you know, make a name for themselves. Um, so that's great. I, I think as good a start as they got, like when I remember when they lost their first game, somebody kind of jokingly said to me, like, well, looks like they can't go undefeated now. And I realistically, you got to know that, Hey, it's a long season you're going to have cycles to where you play bad for a week or two at a time and you play off charts and you just hope that you work some of those kinks out early. And then by the time that, um, you know, the conference play, the tournament, uh, the postseason comes around, you're kind of getting healthy, you're hitting on all cylinders and um, you're playing your best baseball. And so I think it was very apparent that last year, you know, they had a little lull, maybe late in conference play, but, they played great throughout the postseason, and that's that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dude, I mean, I'm going to throw a little curveball, speaking of baseball right now. <laughs> Something just dawned on me. Drew, are you at the office? Oh, yeah. In Rollingwood? No, we're downtown. Oh, okay. Dude, our, so our residential here's... office is in Rollingwood. Uh, yeah, so, man, so Drew works for Heritage. Clearly, I work for Marsh. And there's a massive Heritage office right across from ours. And I saw that he was in the office. I was like, what the? Because I, I was like, hell, let's ride together to the game. But I yeah. I, but yeah, hey, we're downtown, that, sorry. <laughs> and by the way, I have to throw that in because I do this a lot with all of our crews. As successful as Drew was, and you think about our era of folks, the coolest thing is when we get back together, seeing what Simmons is doing, seeing what Drew is doing, seeing what Cat's doing, seeing what Arakpo is doing, you know, Vince, so many folks, how successful they are in the next chapter. So when you think about what's happening now versus before and all the above, it was something special about that era that, I mean, a Ross and Simon just moved to Atlanta for a TV, you know, gig that she's gotten. Um, I've heard, we, we heard Michelle Carter shot putter on the Olympics this year. I mean, you can go list down a list down a list of people. Of course, TJ doing his thing in, in Houston with the kids. It's really cool to hear about the post career success and ultimately, it's amazing how it's so synergistic to, sure, sports are what they are, but talking about Coach Pierce, talking about Sark, talking about the grind and understanding what team stuff is, um, I had to give him a shout out for that with that curveball because I thought his butt was right across the street, but he's close. Yeah, well, one other thing to add to that, um, you know, I think this is a great, if there's any uh, potential recruits listen to this, you look at myself, you look at Quan, um, I tell these young guys on campus right now whenever I speak to them, like, guys, you'll never in the rest of your life be amidst a greater network of people. Like there's a reason why so many athletes, um, regardless of their success in the field, come back, stay in and around Austin or the state of Texas and leverage the Texas network because it is vast 
and it is powerful. And I think there's no no uh, secret why you know so many of us alums are able to get plugged into the business world or their next career, next chapter of their life, and be successful. Definitely, it, it's the same way in entertainment as well. I mean, the three of us up top live in in Los Angeles, and there's a lot of different Longhorns out here that are always willing to extend the hand and help out. It's I weird. Think there's yeah. nine thousand Longhorns in LA. It's crazy. Wow. That's a lot. That seems low. That seems low. You drive around in the city. Absolutely, specifically. Oh yeah. Like when you go one county over the next county, there's another two thousand. It is fascinating how many are across. Was I think we're at identifying Longhorns. We're at like one point three actual degrees. I think we're at seven hundred thousand. Wow. That's ridiculous. Every time I see a longhorn driving in traffic, I always like beat my horn and like wave at them and throw them on. Like, like, no, 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 bro. You're in LA. You mean when y'all are sitting in traffic together? Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> True. Right, but have, it is a great network, though. It I have really an interesting cool. question for both of you guys since this is the first time we've had a football player and a baseball player on our podcast. So, Quan, you, you grew up playing baseball. You, you went to the minors for a bit, came back and played football. But I'm wondering for both of you guys, when it comes down to dual sport athletes, right? Let's, for instance, say Kyler Murray or AJ Brown, where they play football and they play baseball at the same university. How is that viewed in the locker room? Do guys, do you feel like guys maybe can see that he he is maybe more interested in one sport than the other? We've had a few in our program throughout the years. It's it's not a lot. Houston Street's father, yeah, yeah, Houston Street's father did it. Um, you know, Bobby Lane, of course, but like those, that's old school. But there, every now and then, there's guys that that do that dual sport, dual sport. Yeah, didn't Keith Moreland do it as well? So I think Keith he did, did for yeah, a little Keith bit. Did. Yeah. I think he played a year or two of football and then yeah. went exclusive baseball. Um, you know, I, I, I wasn't privy to that because all of our guys were baseball specific, um, you know, similar to, I mean, my hometown, Atlanta, Texas is just a little bigger than, than Mark where Quan grew up, but, you know, I played football, basketball, baseball, and ran track until I graduated high school. I was the Division One recruited in three of those four sports. Baseball was always kind of my favorite, and when I got the opportunity to pursue that, I went for it. But um, you know, <laughs> getting on campus and seeing the, the dedication it takes to managing a, a class load, a uh, off-season workout load, an in-season program—like I don't know how I would have done it trying to do multiple things. Um, but you know, I'm probably not the best guy to ask. And Quan, I don't know if, if you guys had you know, someone that did both, but it would be well, tough to, to juggle those. I have two ways to kind of think about it. One, it does happen a little bit still, but it never lasts four years. Uh, you know, from a, a Benson standpoint, he did it for a year, maybe two, and he's like, oh, this is too much. I don't have a summer, and summer's the time to get ready for the rest, and you're missing your boys on that level. Um, um, Ricky Williams did the same thing. Now, from a standpoint of act like the Jameis, you know, Winston doing both at the school, we haven't seen that in a while for that reason. Now, I like to think two things, though. We saw it more from a track standpoint than we did from a baseball. So mm-hmm. Jamal ran track as well. Um, um, Michael Huff. Gus, right? Michael Huff did. Good. Um, good one. Mike, yeah. Good win. Marquise Goodwin did it. So we see it from John that Bert. standpoint because they're just such different seasons. And you still have your summer for the most part because there's a summer area. But you just have a couple of months to let the body recoup and rest. And, and, and track meets, they're keeping you in shape for your other sport anyway. So it trans, it translates. So I just think it's way harder this day, man, this day and age where 
<laughs> class is different. I'm I'm not saying they didn't go to school as much back yeah. in the day, but class <laughs> hey, is different. Cl- class is different, but preparation is also preparation different. Preparation right? is very different. Competition I mean, like, is different. Yeah. Every level of it. The you, strength you really and conditioning programs to, are a lot different. Yeah. You have to kind of get in your lane and then try to be the best of, you know, however many thousands or millions are out there. So you don't see it as much nowadays. Now I digress from a high school standpoint and you hear this, the greats, the savings and all of them. And of course, Drew, you know, Atlanta, me, Mark, you know, two A schools, three A schools, we certainly did it, but they're asking some of the five, eight, six, eight guys to play multiple sports, continue to compete, stay out of trouble, stay, keep the competitive. Yeah. It's a good, that's a good way to look at it. So. Yeah. I mean, you're, if you're staying and you're staying, you know, putting, just anything, putting young kids in as many activities as possible, you know, keep them focused on, you know, vers- you know, diversifying their profile, but also keep them out of trouble is great. A I got a question about that because you're seeing, I actually had a long conversation yesterday. I thought you're going to be out there at the AMAM, uh, at the, but it, it was fine. You, you, that Monday and recouping from Dell match play was a lot smarter decision, but the, um, the, the freaking, what is it called now? Um, Baseball, but it's it's different. Not AAU. What what do we call the baseball st- stuff now? Where all the kids are starting, are like super young and paying an insane amount of money. Just select select ball. Select, select ball. Select, Dude, I was select blank. Ball. Select ball. Or these coaches are just telling, no, no, no. You have to commit here. You can't. I mean, you're talking about ten year olds, twelve year olds, thirteen year olds. The select coach is telling them they can't play another sport. I want your thoughts on that, Drew. Knowing that you went the, the baseball route, but played other ones. Uh, just any thoughts about select ball in general, but certainly about the at age 12, you can't play another sport piece. I think it's the worst thing that's happened in sports in general. Like you get these guys that pressure these kids and parents with well, a lot of the parents just aren't very educated and experienced in, in pursuing a sport. Um, I think ultimately it's all about money. Like these organizations yeah. and, and these coaches are making so much money off of running tournaments and, and these teams. Um, and, and they pressure these kids and these parents and saying, well, if you don't play, you're going to get left behind. And any, I get this question asked, Quan, I'm sure you do a lot too. Like I am always an advocate to playing as many sports as you can for as long as you can. Cause when you start so young playing that many games, um, you set up for burnout from the kid, you set up for premature injuries and, you know, I, I look at myself and playing football, you know, seven through 12 uh, grade, that is, um, you get strong and you get tough. Basketball, you get athletic and agile and explosive from jumping, moving around. Track, you get strong, you get endurance, you get faster. I'm not saying that baseball is not a sport that promotes athleticism because it is, but it's a specific skill that, I think playing that exclusively, you lose out on so much other stuff that I got, yeah. you know, better at playing the other sports. Well, that's, that's a great, so, that's a great, that's a great point. That would be, that would be any sport like growing up, right? You're not in a gym. Like by the time you get to high school, especially your high school football player, high school baseball player at a competitive high school, like you're going to be in the weight room. You're going to be training and getting stronger and getting better. You know, if you're, if you're a pitcher, right, you're working on your three pitches and you're nailing them. You're making sure you're throwing 400, 500 pitches every single day, whatever it is. Like, well, when you're a little kid, you don't have that. You don't have a way to just get better and better at something. So it, yeah, it's no like, baby weights. 
Yeah. It's ideal to like tap into all these different types of movements and, and athletic, athletic types of, of being right. Like I think it's stimulating too. Like you think about just learning, like you go to school, you have different school subjects, you know, to kind of tap into different aspects of your brain and, and get it firing on all cylinders. And I think that's why people do functional training to where, you know, sometimes you move a lot of weight. Sometimes you're balancing, like you, you have to stimulate your mind and your body in different ways. Yeah. Oh man. And I, when I would go, when I, especially when I came back from baseball to UT and I, it's amazing that, especially after catching up, you know, a pop-up or a deep fly ball in Arizona, a football looks like the size of a blimp. And so it, those things, complemented. And when I went to, you know, tell you, dude, when you went to, you know, punt returning and, or kick returning the ability to read the, you know, again, the, the wind, the, the climate, the, the, the clouds, it's, they all complement each other and you Definitely. get better at every single sport by doing another. And fortunately I didn't drop a lot of punts because of, yeah, my baseball. Well, you know those sure. those Arizona high skies are no joke, dude. That's what I, man. I, I came back. I was like, what 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 is there not to see? I just <laughs> had to catch a baseball, white baseball in those high skies, and and so it it just it's amazing to to your point, Drew, of of how we certainly feel the same way as play them all. Uh, yeah. you you will learn things, and and the amount of times that that I use, even you know, I'm freaking you know playing a punter like a Michael Dixon who boots at a country mile over my head my turn the, the amount of less more my footsteps for punt return literally was muscle memory from baseball chasing yeah. one off the wall you emulate that action you emulate it so you get back and you're like oh okay like definitely whereas in other ones unfortunately you try to see them catch it over their head and it costs their team so you get down to the nitty-gritty that's that's why i wanted to talk about that because i i hope like you said some of the young kids that are doing it are getting um shamed into to maybe doing just one right. i hope they see that guys who have done it before we, we totally disagree Definitely. go freaking compete go learn the games uh get get the body uh the muscle memory and other than golf which drew is very good at too i'm still trying to figure that game out but thanks for yeah dance we know you both got a role to get to the aggie game but drew last question what is your favorite memory as a Longhorn? It can be from you watching, can you be from you playing as a student, anything across the board? Well, I mean, that's an easy one for me. Um, you know, I, I never got to win a World Series at the major league level, but sharing that moment of, of dogpiling on the field at Omaha, um, sharing that with, with guys that you live with, you go to class with, you grind with in the gym, like behind the scenes, like, you know, I tell people all the time, the difference between pro ball and and collegiate ball is pro ball. You want to win as a team, especially through the minor leagues and stuff, but ultimately you have to be somewhat selfish and look out for it's your livelihood. It's your career. You have to do what's best for you and you hope to win. But in college, the stats and everything don't matter. It's just like, how, what do we have to do to win this game today? And what do we have to do in this off season to get better and get there? And I think, you know, here we are um, 17 years later. Um, I still am close with, we're, we're forever united um, in that experience. And, um, you know, we'll celebrate that until we're old men, but um, that's, that's easily best experience I've had in, in the sport. You got a prime example to end with this. You got Drew, he's repping. Yeah. We are going to the Longhorn game. And I say this all the time. They're like, what was your favorite NFL team? I was like, 
the one that was paying me at the time. <laughs> but ultimately, we're going to die Longhorns, you know, when we're long yeah. behind, we're, we're going to rep now, we're still going to rep, we'll wear it till the day we die. So that's, it's just a different beast. And I love For that sure. y'all always ask that question, because you get different answers, but it kind of, you know, it's it, some take the ways route to get exactly where, where we always talk about. It's, it's each other. It's, it's the guys you're doing it with. So it's, it's always fun. The conversation for another time in the MLB. I know we didn't talk about that much, but really quickly, who's your World Series pick? And it's hard to go against the Dodgers right now. They just, you know, reloaded. They got so much versatility. <laughs> Josh really is a big Red Sox fan up there. He's like, hey, I'm man, a Padres I'm just, fan. So. I'm, Padres I'm, fan. Man, I'm just, I'm calling a spade a spade. They're, they're yeah. loaded, and you know, I, I think that they'll. They've, they've got too much firepower to not be competitive. The best um, lineup ever constructed. Man, they got they got Mookie Q. That's all I care about, man. Yeah, I, can, I, I, can, I, can, I can live on that. Uh, hey, Drew, we can appreciate some Mookie, too. That's out, outfield play, baby, getting love. Yeah, he's the best, man. I get, man. Drew, well, thank guys, you I know, so much I know for joining us. Yeah. I know we're all having a run, but um, I'm happy anytime to come back on and talk more in depth about the Major League side of things or whatever. Thank you guys for having me. Of course, Drew. Thanks for joining us, man. see you. Take care, right. brother. See you guys. Welcome. Welcome. All right. And I'm Joshua Fisher, Alexander Sopos, Nikki Snacks, Kreider. Go to betonline.ag today. Go to betonline and bet anywhere you get your stuff. Use the promo code BELIEVEBLAV. Get a little stuff off your uh, welcome bonus. Who doesn't like welcome bonus, right? Everyone loves a little welcome bonus action. And last but certainly not least, you got Natty Champ, the Quan Cosby. Thank you so much for joining us. Come on, ladies and gents. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.